Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to my Two Cents Podcast, presented by Gerald Garrett, a.k.a. G2, episode 13, which is entitled... Shame, shame, shame. Whoa, shame on you. Now, before I get into my topics, let me list off the National Food Days of this week. Today, March 14th, is National Potato Chip Day. Tomorrow, March 15th, is Peanut Butter... No, not Peanut Butter. Peanut Lover's Day, sorry. March 16th, Artichoke Day. March 17th, Irish Food Day, March 18th, Sloppy Joe Day, March 19th, Oatmeal Cookie Day, and March 20th, Ravioli Day. Now, my topics for this episode is going to be basically the backlash of the Royals having to deal with the backlash from Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's interview with Oprah that happened last Sunday. Um, What we have learned from that interview, I'm going to be giving you guys updates on the George Floyd um, trial. It hasn't started yet, but they have started jury selection, so I'm going to give you an update on that. I'm going to keep giving you guys an update on Papa John, the actual man Papa John. I don't know the man's name like that. I just know his name is like John, but I'm just going to call him Papa John because that's what he's known for. And I have a question for my white listeners um, after I get done with all these main topics. Um, I just have just like one legitimate question I really want to ask you guys. And before I get to that one, too. I'm going to be talking about the weekend not participating in the Grammys this year. And I just say this year because I'll get to that in a minute whenever it's time. But let me start off with, well, what everybody loves to start off with. The biggest topic throughout this week, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's interview with Oprah. Now, the biggest takeaways from this big blockbuster main event style interview were... Harry getting cut off from his money from the family. Harry and William not on the best terms. Um, they're talking about the shade of Megan and Harry's baby. Megan is now going to be having a baby girl. Congratulations to Megan Markle and Prince Harry as well on that one. Um, Archie not given a title. Megan um, having thoughts about suicide. Those were the biggest takeaways of this interview and I'm gonna knock down each one from least important to most important the least important was um Harry and William not on the best terms I mean I have family right now that if something were to happen in my family household and we decided as a whole family unit to always keep family business inside family business nobody talks to anybody nobody talks to anybody outside of our family and then one person decides to jump out the gate and decide to spew, spill the beans to everybody about what's going on with my family. Me and that person won't be on great terms neither. So this was least shocking to me out of that whole interview of Harry and William literally not being on the best terms. That was the easiest thing to believe. Harry being caught off from the family money. That's easy too. I mean, come on. You are denouncing your... Family, you're denouncing your title. I mean, you stopped doing your uh, royal deeds. I mean, come on. You thought it's the same thing at a job. You are getting paid for your service. 
And if you stop doing what you're being paid to do, you expect to get a paycheck. That's not going to happen, fam. Harry knew this. So this also coming out, it didn't shock nobody. Let's be honest. I take this as the exact same thing whenever somebody stops working at a job and they're still on the clock. They think of this and that, but no, they know good and well. If I don't work, I'm not going to get paid. This is what happened. You denounced it all. You threw away your title. Matter of fact, you threw your title back at them like a freaking football. And I mean, just spiked them right in the chest with it. So, I mean, that's easy to believe. Megan having suicidal thoughts. I didn't... I'm not going to say that's not an important matter. Because it's it's an important matter in everyday life. Because I never have thought about suicide. Me, personally. I have talked to people that have had thought about suicide. And I've never thought of... They never told me about it because they always look so um, gleefully and so happy. I've never seen them down and depressed like that. But they've talked to me and said, I've had thoughts about suicide. And I've just looked at them and stunned like, really? You thought about suicide? And they haven't had none of the pressure that Megan has gotten. So when Megan came out and said she had suicidal thoughts, I automatically assumed and thought of, well, yeah, anybody in that spot will be having those type of thoughts. Whenever the media and even people inside your kingdom now, inside that's working under you, as in your um, servers, your butlers, your uh, people that get your clothing and all these type of things that make your food and they talk behind your back and they say so much disparaging, it's, um, disparaging things. I would have thought, yes, you probably would have suicidal thoughts. I mean, it's not hard to. When you're in that big high of a power spot, it's not that hard for me to believe somebody saying, I had suicidal thoughts. So her coming out and saying that, that that was not so much news to me. But I think people need to take that into consideration and really need to think about um, why would she lie about this? Why would she lie about saying that she had suicidal thoughts? Whenever you're in a high spot and the media is so down your throat or people just talking so foul about you, you're going to be put in a real bad spot, in a depressing spot. Thank God I've never had to deal with that. I've never been in a... I've always been the person that let things run down my back, but that's me. Meghan Markle and all that people are different. So I want to thank the man upstairs for building me different. And all that. But prayers to Megan for getting through that and not having those type of thoughts anymore. And also her saying that she wanted to have she went to HR and tell them about her having suicidal thoughts. And they said they they couldn't help her. They couldn't help you if you are not working, if you're not a working member of the uh, royal family, Not, not the royal family, if you're not a working employee. Basically saying you're not a butler, you're not a server, we can't help you. That's kind of ridiculous. I would think, just because, I would think that when you're a royal or you're a president or you're something with so much prestige and pristine around your name and the title that you have, I would think that they would want to give you some type of help. That they will want to find a way to get you the type of help that you need. But I digress. Um, <laughs> the next thing, um, 
Archie not given a title? I was shocked by that because I would think that you it's a baby. You're you're giving birth into the royal family. That kid's going to be royalty. But Hooker by Crook, he is the product of somebody that had the lineage of royalty. So him not getting a title was shocking to me. And her exact quote was this. They didn't want him to be a prince or a princess, which would be different from protocol, and that he wasn't going to receive security, Megan said. I was very scared of having him to offer up our child, knowing that they weren't going to be kept safe. She added, no, she added that no explanation was given about her son not receiving a title. It's not their right to take it away, she said. And this is from Yahoo News. The baby not being given a title and not given security is strange to me. I mean, every child that I know of, I mean, William and Kate's kids got security, I believe. Um, William and Harry had security when they were kids. I believe Charles had security when he was a child. Every kid in the royal family has had some type of security. I mean, it's that easy to understand. And for the royal family to deny Meghan and Harry's child, Archie, of that security right is beyond confusing. And another thing that's confusing is the title. They're the du Duke and Duchess of Kingbridge, I believe. Hold on one second. Let me look that up. They are the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. They are the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, or yet the former Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Um, either way, just for normal purposes, whenever a child is born into a family lineage of that nature, you would think they would give him a title. And for Archie to not have a title or not even give him one at birth, it's nuts. The royal family had time to come up with the paperwork and everything that was needed for Archie to have a title whenever he was born. But that wasn't but that wasn't the case. Archie didn't receive a title, so I could see how Megan and Harry would have a big problem with that. Anybody would. It's not the it's not normal. It's like the it's like in normal um a normal person example is if Every generation down the line is every kid gets five bucks whenever they're born. And you're and now it's your time. You guy you and your partner are expecting your child and you know, okay, the lineage is or the tradition is, okay, you're gonna get five bucks because your kid is gonna be born from the family. And your brother or sister have gotten five bucks every time their child was born. And now it's your time and your child's about to be born. And now, whenever your child is born, you don't receive the five, five bucks. You're going to look at it strange. You're going to look at your family strange like, okay, why did I not receive the five bucks? Or why did you guys not give my child the five dollars that is rightfully ours because of the family tradition. 
it goes passed down from tradition to tradition to generation to generation is what I'm trying to say here. And for that to happen, that's stupid. You guys didn't give them a title. That was stupid. And I can see that's that's a big problem. That is a big importance because whenever somebody feels left out of a family tradition or a family uh, big milestone, that's a problem. And that can cause some big issues. And the biggest bombshell that was dropped was the conversation that Harry and Meghan received from a person in the royal monarchy, the royal family, that, or somebody in the higher-ups, sorry, had a conversation with them and asked them, what is the skin color, what would the skin color of your baby be? Now, I'm not sure if you guys have looked at Meghan Markle, but I mean, look at Meghan Markle. I didn't even knew she was black. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first saw Meghan Markle on Suits, because this was... Suits would, whenever they were running, on Monday Night Raw, I watched professional wrestling, and they were run commercials on it because they're a USA product, and Monday Night Raw runs on USA. And I never paid her any attention like that. And then whenever the news came out that Meghan Markle was getting married to Prince Harry, I was like, okay, cool. And this is just another white and white uh, marriage. Okay, cool. Like that. But then whenever the news came out that she was biracial, I was like, hold on, wait a minute, Meghan Markle, and I had to Google her, and I was like, hold up, this is, okay, who's, who's black and who's white, is her mom black, is her dad white, is her dad black, her mom white, something, because she can really pass as a white person, off rip, just off the look of her, she could pass as a white person, I'm just gonna be honest with you, and that's coming from a black man, Meghan Markle can pass as a white person all day, every day, and for somebody in the royal family to ask her, are you worried about the shade? Ask her and Harry about the shade of your baby. That's pure ignorance and stupid. Stupidity. She's not married to a dark-skinned man like Wesley Snipes or Seal, where you ask that question. Alright? She's not complete. Megan's not brown-skinned. She's not Lupita Nyong'o uh, dark, well, skin color, because I don't think Lupita is that, is like dark, she's a darker complexion, but she's not dark, ladies and gentlemen, um, but that's the thing, somebody in that whole royal monarchy, the royal higher-ups, asks that stupid question, and that leaves a bad blemish on their, on, on the monarchy, it makes it look like they're somebody or that whole big corporation is racist and <laughs> the damage control that they had to do well that Charles did was Charles went to a local hospital and started having photos of him took him with black workers in the hospital and I first thought I was like oh, okay he's trying to do damage control but boy was that the worst thing to do that was like straight up just saying all my all my friends are black. Or that's like saying, hey, I got hey, I'm not racist. I have black friends, or something of that verbiage. That wasn't a good look for the royal family. To prove that you're not racist. To prove that to try to disprove what Megan said. 
But the one thing I do have a problem with Megan and Harry not saying is, who said it? They, Harry said, I'm not going to discuss who said that. He should have. You're already letting out the big, you're already letting out a big, opening up a big can of worms. And you're letting the whole world hear it. And the whole world is going to be speculating. The whole world speculates on every little thing. I can tell you, if I was a rich person right now, and there was even an inkling of me having interest, and I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a, a celebrity here, uh, Selena Gomez, or a, uh, I don't, I don't know, Kim Kardashian. If, if I was a big time celebrity, and then somebody in my friend group just said I have an interest in those ladies, they w- would want to know is that true or not. So I will have to come out and say this, that if it's true or not. And that's the thing. You have to come out. Now it leaves the royal family to have to somebody to come out and say, hey, we're not racist. And that was what um, Prince William did. Prince William came out and said, the royal royal family's not racist. We're not racist. That's absurd. And in a person in the media asked him, a reporter asked him, how is your relationship with Harry? Have you talked to Harry since this interview? He says, no, I haven't talked to Harry, but I plan on talking to Harry. I can guarantee you right now, once that phone call happens, boy, oh boy, is fireworks going to be let off in that conversation. Fireworks and so many profanity filled words are going to be let off in that convo. And more or less, William is going to be William Harris is going to have a big blowout on the phone because Harry didn't say who it was, so it could rule out the entire family. That's what Harry messed up on. That's what Harry and Meghan messed up on because now, in well, the day that happened later, they, the next day after the interview happened, you had Pierce Morgan come on his show. And matter of fact, Pierce Morgan, I didn't know that Britain had their version of Good Morning America, but their thing is called Good Morning Britain. I never knew about this. I knew about it literally the next day after I got up and started going to YouTube because I didn't see the Meghan Markle interview until like a couple days later after the interview was done and I saw clips. But that morning, that Monday morning, I went to my phone and I went to YouTube because I was trying to look for the clips. And the first thing I saw was Pierce Morgan blasting and bombarding Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. More or less, Meghan Markle. And I'm going to play you a clip of just him just being livid off of it right now. I'm angry to the point of bawling over today. I'm sickened by what I've just had to watch. Okay, and then people might be be upset. Sorry, you can come to you. You can defend it in a minute. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. Okay. This is a two hour trash a thon of our royal family, of the monarchy, of everything the Queen has worked so hard for, and it's all been done as Prince Philip lies in hospital. Mm -hmm. They trash everybody. They basically make out the entire royal family a bunch of white supremacists by dropping this race bombshell without... that phrase? They didn't name any... They didn't name which one it was. They just throw it out there so it could be any member of the royal family, and Harry says, I'll never say who it was. Well, you better say it fast. What's the part of the interview that you're referring to? The bit where they accuse uh, the... uh, unnamed member of the royal family. This is the race bombshell that Meghan drops that Harry then talks about. Let's watch. It's odd, though, because you were comfortable about sharing everything else in that interview, 
But you're prepared to let that bombshell just lie completely unanswered so that we now have to think it could be any one of the royal family that was apparently racist about the skin colour of your, of your child. I just don't think that's acceptable. They trash Kate. She's taken down. She apparently made poor Meghan cry. Well, she trashes her. Yeah, they trash is, Prince this, Charles. That's in response they trash to a William. question about the They trash story the monarchy, the institution. Now, I understand that England or people that live in England, the Brits, they love their royals. That is their bread and butter. That is their superheroes. That is their Captain America. That's their real-life Iron Man. That is their superheroes. Anybody that has anything bad to say about them are going to get some words from Brits. I understand it. I fully understand why. But Pierce Morgan, on Monday and Tuesday, constantly bombasted and lambasted and souffléed and flamed up and grilled and fried Meghan Markle so bad that he wouldn't let his co-workers and even his guests get a couple words out before he had to start like refuting every little thing. I would watch clips. I watched clips on Monday. I watched clips on Tuesday. And every clip was him just constantly just driving his opinion and, and his opinion and his opinion and over-talking his guests that are going to be on the show. Whenever you have a show and you have guests on the show, you want your guests to speak. You want to hear what your guests have to say. Well, especially whenever people that work behind the scenes Get these guests to be on your show. And I understand. Pierce Morgan is supposed to be the antagonizer. And constantly just challenge and challenge. But I think personally. Whenever this came out. You're going to be angry. You're going to be in your feelings. That is normal. That is normal human behavior. But as being a professional. He should have gotten his opinion off. And then sat down and just let his co-workers speak. And you know, you know what? I think I kind of got a reason why he would go after Meghan Markle so bad and just constantly go after her. And I think I have a reason why. As a matter of fact, I'm about to play you a clip that I found on YouTube. And it's Pierce Morgan on one of the Brits late late show and this some this is years ago and he explains a story of him and Meghan Markle and I'm pretty sure after you hear this story you could kind of guess why Pierce Morgan is upset and always will have some type of hatred or some type of bad animosity towards Miss Markle I followed four of the stars of Suits on Twitter. Yeah. Within five minutes, I got this direct message from Meghan Markle. A private message, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it said, uh, hey, I'm, I'm a big fan, and I'm you know, so excited you're following me. And this is she about, said to you. Yeah, it was about three years ago. And um, anyway, I replied, and then another guy in Suits, uh, who plays another character, we, he got involved too. And we, we corresponded quite regularly on Twitter, 
publicly and privately. Yeah. She began sending me early copies of uh, Suits episodes. Right. She'd email me from, you know, places like Rwanda. I thought we had a good sort of friendship building. She then said, I'm coming to London to watch the tennis with Serena Williams, yeah. who's her friend, and I, I know Serena well too. And she said, would you like to meet up for a drink? I said, come to my local pub, you know. I'm an Irishman. Come to my pub. Um, so she came to my local pub in Kensington, ironically about half a mile from Kensington Palace, yeah, yes. where she now lives. Nobody knew who she was, but she walked in. I remember the locals, right, all these old guys like, like this, drinking their pints, and in walks Meghan Markle, like a million dollars. But they didn't know who she was, but they thought she's something Beautiful. special. Yeah, yeah. We had a, two hours in the pub. She had a couple of dirty martinis, had a couple of pints. We got on brilliantly. And then I put her in a cab, and it turned out to be a cab that took her to a party where she met Prince Harry. And then the next night, they had a solo dinner together, and that was the last I ever heard from Meghan Markle. <laughs> and I have never heard from her again. So what happened? In she, your, uh, she, she ghosted me, Ryan. <laughs> Meghan Markle ghosted did, me. Did she, do you think she just went... I'm afraid, I, look, I really liked her. This is why it hurts. <laughs> no, I, uh, I really liked her. Uh, I just think she's a slight social climber, I'm afraid. And when I see the way, I mean, look, at her wedding, there was only one member of her family there. The rest couldn't be risked. They were like, considered too dangerous. But do you think um, she was told, Morgan, off the list? Well, I can imagine her having dinner with Prince Harry and saying, oh, I, I know this great... English guy, Irish as it turns out. Yeah. I know this great guy, and he's a good friend of mine. I've just been with the, in the pub with him. What's Harry's his name? like, oh really? Who's that? It's it's Piers Morgan. What? Yeah, yeah. Get him out of here. Black. Pen. Yeah. So that. Um, but I, I didn't really like being ghosted like that. I thought it was a yeah. bit of a strange thing to do. And then the other guy, I won't name him, but there's another actor in Suits, and he he did the same. I didn't hear from him either. So he'd been shut down, and then he popped up after the wedding, which he was at. I saw him on TV, and I thought, really. Not a word from either of you. And then he pops up apologising and say, I'm so sorry and hope you understand. Well, I didn't understand yeah. that. Actually. Had he been told not to be yes, in touch he'd with Yes, he'd been told to ghost me as well. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as a man that has been ghosted himself, I can see how Pierce Morgan would have some bad animosity towards Meghan Markle. I can understand that. You heard him in that clip say that he liked it her. And it's okay to like somebody. It's human nature. But whenever you are a professional and you have to be on television and you are putting your personal opinion out there to the world, you have to understand that the public will take your words as gospel. That's what happens. In American society, we do it. In British society, they do it with everything the royal family put out a statement with. They take that as gospel. We do that with everything. We might challenge certain things, but we do that with every single thing. But getting back to Pierce, you were ghosted, bud. Get over it. I got over being ghosted before. I got over it. And guess what? It was all right. You live and you learn. And Pierce is older than me. And I'm 24, about to be 25. I haven't even hit my prime yet. And Pierce, you've been hit your prime. You would think that a man of your stature should know that being ghosted is going to be an okay occurrence. You would think that. I would. 
If you mean to tell me a 40-year-old man is going to get ghosted by, what, by that time, what, I don't know, late 20, early 30-year-old woman? I was like, yeah, he's probably going to get ghosted. And I would think that man should have some class and some dignity when being ghosted. Yeah, you're going to be upset. You're going to be hurt by it a little bit. But that's all male ego and ego in general. Because if a female gets ghosted, she gets hurt. That's ego. That's all our egos talking to us at the end of the day. But Pierce Morgan should have handled this with some professionalism and not carry that hurt into the workplace. That's what should have happened. But instead, he carried that hurt into his workplace and start at every chance start bashing Meghan Markle. Every opportunity he got, bash Meghan Markle. That is what he did. He didn't put his personal relationship or once relationship that he had with Meghan Markle to the side and carry on with business at hand. No, he carried that and he put Meghan Markle on a grill. He doused her up with lighter fluid and just put flames on her and let her cook. He would roast Meghan Markle every opportunity he got on the show. Because what? After you heard that clip, he said, I really liked her, to be honest with you. I really liked her. But she ghosted me. Get over it, man. Men and women get ghosted every single day. There's an MTV show called Catfish, and I believe there's an MTV show called Ghosted as well. But it happens on an everyday occurrence. What makes you so special? That you're not going to get ghosted by somebody. Honestly, what makes him so special? There's nothing special about Pierce Morgan. Nothing. Nothing at all. You're human at the end of the day, bud. That's something that he should have learned way ago. But, hey, I think he learned it now. Because after going and bashing and doing everything so much on Good Morning Britain, Tuesday, he had enough because him and a colleague, well, a former work colleague that used to work there, a weatherman for Good Morning Britain named Alex, who is also a man of color, a light-skinned man of color. And him and Morgan would go back and forth on this issue Tuesday, and Morgan would constantly try to interrupt him, but Alex was able to over-talk him and straight up just bash Morgan and bash Morgan, hit him over the head with the facts and facts and facts, and letting him know, listen, I'm a man of color in this world. You can't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. You can't tell me how we're supposed to act. You can't tell me this or tell me that. And he's even giving Pierce Morgan props. He's told, he said right on live television, Hey, listen, I know who you are, and I know me and you have conversations on television and off of television. I know you're not a racist. I know you're not. But the way you are handling this Meghan Markle thing is coming off racist. It's coming off this way. He is letting him know as a colleague and also as a person that enjoys his company, even off television, I'm letting you know on air, hey, yo, what you're saying and what you're doing, what you're saying about Meghan Markle is 
racist, bro. And that's the thing. People that are not of color, a.k.a. white folks, I hate to say this to you, but it has to be said, you guys can't deem some, you guys can't, you guys can't ask us. Matter of fact, no, let me say this just blunt. You guys can't say something's not racist when we're telling you that's racist. You can't tell us that's not racist. My G, we're telling you that's racist, bro. We're telling you directly that's racist. When we're telling you, Ayo, you might not be racist, but what you're saying is racist or could come off racist. And if you have a problem and try to spack talk and say, well, I'm not trying to say this racist. My G, we're telling you, we're letting you know that's racist. You're coming off as racist. We're letting you know that your, well, your words, that statement, whatever you said that's coming out of your mouth, that's racist. Stop it. And that's exactly what Alex said. And the biggest thing that Alex and Pierce got into an argument was the conversation of somebody asking somebody of color and a person not of color, a.k.a. a black person or a white person or a Hispanic person and a white person or a Hispanic person and a black person, two different races coming together to make a baby. What do you, what's the shade of your baby? Though that's the conversation that him and Alex, that Pierce Morgan and Alex got into. As a matter of fact, I'm going to play a clip of what Alex had to tell Pierce Morgan as being a man of color, of being a man, matter of fact, of being a man of lighter skin color in Britain, how he has dealt with that type of situation. He's going to give you an example of what he had to deal with in hearing that exact same thing and why this Meghan Markle thing resonates so much with him. Here's the clip. Finding a different way to explain, not to you, but to so many people on why what is being said is so wrong. Right. I've walked into institutions as the only person of colour mm. yeah. and experienced covert and overt racism on so many occasions. And why the Megan interview really resonates with me mm. is because an ex-work colleague, not of this show, asked me if I was worried about the shade of cocoa that my son was going to come out. Right. So I fully understand the hurt that is behind all of that. Right, let me ask... And when you're mixed race, mm -hmm. what you find, in my personal experience, and there may be other people that may come forward and say this, is that when you are a lighter shade of black, people gain confidence and feel that they can say things to you that they wouldn't say to a black person. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me make something perfectly clear. What Alex said was, whenever you are a lighter shade of blackness, a.k.a. light skin, or red bone in woman term, what men will call the woman red bone, you are going, it's, they feel that they can talk and ask you that question because you're not, a.k.a. a darker skin color, a milk chocolate or a dark chocolate or even a mocha skinned type individual. They feel that they can just easily walk up to you and ask you, what do you uh, do? You have an idea of what your uh, child's skin color is going to look like. That's if you're having a child with somebody that's not your ethnicity. They feel people outside 
of the relationship feel that they can ask you that type of question. Now, I've gotten to this conversation with people all this week about somebody somebody that I talked to this week asked me, matter of fact, they said that they don't think that it's wrong to ask somebody their skin, to ask somebody that question. And the question being is, what is the skin color of your baby going to look like? And now, Pierce Morgan also said that he's trying to find find out and understand what, from somebody that's being harmful and somebody that actually is caring. And I'm about to play you that clip right now. Family, let me ask you honestly, on the issue of race, mm -hmm. she has now got the whole of America and the worst of the world, frankly, looking upon the palace, the monarchy, the queen, everyone in the royal family as a bunch of racists. And it all comes down to two things that she said in the interview. Mm -hmm. One is something she didn't hear, mm -hmm. but Harry reported back to her, right. that a senior member of the royal family that yep. wasn't the queen or Prince Philip, so presumably is either Charles or William, we would hazard a guess, has made a comment to Harry about what colour skin his baby may be if the relationship progresses. OK, Apparently, but there was concern the about the way in which that well, hang question on. was well, asked. That's my question for you. She said there was concern. Harry didn't say that. And my question for you is this, and it's a, it's a straight question I think a lot of people are asking, because you've been in this position, yeah. right? And you've been, yeah. you've been equally offended. On the receiving end of that is question. There, is there a qualitative difference between somebody perhaps innocently saying to you, mm -hmm. out of interest, if you have one parent is white, one parent is black, you know, what, what colour okay. could your baby be? Let me finish. What colour could your baby be? Is there a difference between that question phrased in that innocent, perhaps, mm -hmm. way and somebody doing it in a tone that says, well, how dark is your baby going to be? Well, I in think a derogatory, and, and that, and perhaps that, racist right, tone. Right, exactly, and there... Now, ladies and gentlemen, as a black man, I'm going to state this right now. If somebody that's in my inner circle were to ask me, Gerald, what's the skin? Do you have a personal preference of what your baby skin color, what would you like your baby to look like? I would tell them, as long as my baby comes out healthy with 10 fingers and 10 toes, I'm good. I don't care what my skin color, what my baby skin color looks like. I would think that would be it because they know me and they know me well enough that I don't care about how dark or how light or whatever the case may be of my baby as long as my baby's healthy with 10 fingers, 10 toes. Now, I, that is a normal person's answer to that type of question. Now, when you're dealing with the upper elites in high society type individuals, and an outsider that is not of your complexion, which Megan definitely can be of their complexion, but just looks like a tanner version of the royals, if we're going to be honest. That question shouldn't have even arose, if we're going to be honest. Look at Meghan Markle again, and look at Harry. You mean to tell me that you're going to get a dark-skinned-looking baby out of that scenario? Ladies and gentlemen, that was pure ignorance and pure hatred on that part. There was no just worried. There was no, like, curiosity aspect of that or just caring aspect of that. That was pure hatred. 
in that statement, in that question. It's different if you got a man that's mocha-skinned and he was going to date or even marry somebody that's like albino and then they have a baby and then now you now a person of that albino or that mocha skinned man's family in a circle asks him asks them that question you got to know how to step in that step in line with that because it's natural for humans to be questionable as humans we question everything that's how covid started for love of god scientists making everything scientists want to know how to make this or make that make the next best thing that's make the next best thing that by the way scientists stop it find a cure for hiv and aids and everything and all those type of diseases and stop stop it stop trying to figure out and do stupid other things stop it back to my point here Humans are interested in, we are questionable on everything. It comes down, it's down to our bones. Everything that we do as humans, we do it because we are wanting to know the answer to a question. But this one, this one wasn't the case for that. Meghan Markle and Harry were not going to produce a dark-skinned baby. That wasn't in the cards. That's never in the cards for them. This was out of pure hatred with that question. Alright? Let me break that down for you. If you're going to ask somebody that question, one, you pull somebody apart, in which somebody of higher class did that with Harry. But here's the thing. He must have said it so bad that, yo... I got that that didn't sit right with him and he just told his wife. Because whenever you come at somebody with a question, that person that you're asking a question wouldn't know if you're coming out of hatred or you're asking out of curiosity and lovingness. Every person that I would see, let me give you guys a little background on me. Gerald Garrett has always been a curious individual. I have been called Curious George by my mother. She would tell me that I will touch. I used to touch everything. I used to ask her questions about everything. I was just so curious about everything in the world, which still gets to me now. In high school, whenever everybody's trying to figure themselves out in this and that, and people would come out as with their sexual orientation, and this is before like everybody like really start coming out. And this was this was like the breaking away at the stigma of being gay and lesbian and bisexual. I would ask that person, hey, I got a question for you. You can tell me it's none of my business. If you don't want to answer it, you can say, hey, I don't want to answer that. But how when did you know that you were such and such? That is always how I would phrase it. And you know what their response would be? Their response would be, you know what? I have no problem answering that one. And they would give me an answer to that. It's all about the way you ask that person that question. And I am a person that I give some, I give people a lot of respect. 
If I don't know you, I give you a lot of respect. If I know you, I give you a lot of respect. If I don't talk to you, it could be either I don't know you or I don't like you. It's more than less I don't know you. Because if I talk to you and I don't talk to you again, it's more or less I'm probably doing something or right now you're just not on my radar. It's rare. It's rarity that you're going to hear me say I don't like somebody. It's a rarity for you to hear me say I don't like somebody. But that's Gerald Garrett right there for you. I give people a lot of respect. And this person that acts hairy, more or less, probably came out their came out their neck sideways and said, Ayo, how dark's your baby gonna be? Are you worried about that? Something on that barometer. That is not caring. You got to baby step them into that question, ladies and gentlemen. You can't just blow out your mouth. Okay, how about this? Or da 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 or blah blah. You can't do that because you're gonna end up getting punched in the face for that. If we're brutally honest with you, I'm surprised that man didn't, or man or whoever didn't get fired if it was somebody that worked for them, or if it was a family member, didn't get punched. And if it was a female, she's not gonna get punched, but she would have got a nasty answer out of me if I was hairy. You can't just just blatantly ask somebody that question. Now, getting back to what I was saying before, a person asked me. And they said they don't think that it was wrong of somebody asking a person that's going to give birth to two people that's not of the same race making a baby. They don't think it's wrong for that question to come out and ask, come out about. I told them it's wrong. It's wrong to ask somebody that question. It's not like you, let's say like this, it's not... It's not proper to ask somebody that question. You can't, you can ask them. Let's not get it twisted. Let me just stop this right here. You can ask somebody that question, but you got to face repercussions after that. You got to face the repercussion of somebody either chewing your head off, wanting to fight you on the spot, not talking to you again after that. There's so many outcomes that can happen after you ask that question, but let's not get it twisted. You can ask that question, but you got to be prepared to face the repercussions after that. If you're coming out of kindness and sincereness and just pure caring, that person will know by the way you ask them that question and the way you set up that question. But if you're just there to just be straight and nosy, like, hey, yo, bang, well, how, how do you feel about your uh, can being black? You're gonna get socked in the mouth, my guy. Or my girl. You're gonna get you're gonna something something not pleasant is gonna to happen to you. And that's what happened here. I believe Harry should have Harry and Megan should have said whoever said it. Because just leaving that open out isn't cool. Because you're gonna put a lot of flames. And if you're looking there to torch the royal family and the monarchy, hey, that's cool. That was your mission. But if that wasn't your mission, hey, give a name out so that all this speculation could be done with and all this pressure, people of uh, the media just hounding them uh, ruthlessly. Two wrongs don't make it right. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry and Meghan should have said who did it, who said it. 
But since they don't want to do it, we're not left with, okay, who this person probably gets said, oh, no, this person didn't have to say that, didn't say that, because this and that. Now you have to do deductive reasoning. And with that, you still won't even know. Because it will still leave a big question mark until this day, until somebody finally comes out of the royal kingdom and say, okay, I said it. Or somebody, Harry, in Megan's camp, leaks something to say, okay, this is this person said it. But somebody, but Harry and Megan should have said that, should have told it. And somebody in that royal hierarchy shouldn't have asked that question. Because that was a stupid, ignorant question. It's not cool. They should have just wished them well wishes on the baby. Even if you don't like them, just wish them well wishes on the baby because she is pregnant and was pregnant at the time and is still pregnant at the time now. You don't want to add stress to a pregnant woman because it's, there's a lot of outcomes that can happen. The biggest outcome and the most disastrous outcome is she losing the baby. And the British tabloids with Megan were ruthless with her constantly just hounding her calling her names calling her this and that i looked at tabloids even here in america that would hound megan and say some type of trash on megan and then someday i would just go on yahoo and yahoo would have something and i click it and this is nothing but british uh like the i think daily mail is the uk stuff and it will show the UK tabloid saying boom 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 different tabloids just bashing Megan. Megan dealt with so much things that Diana didn't deal with and Diana dealt with some things too. But Megan had to deal with it differently because she was black. She was a woman, but she was a black woman entering the monarchy and she didn't quite get along with the media so well, just like Diana didn't, and she didn't get along so well with the royal family as much, and this was led to Harry and Meghan getting away from the family, and let me jump to this too, by the way, Harry said in that interview that, to Oprah, that he was ready to go. Once his mother died, just like I said in the last episode, once his mother died, he already was having some kind of feelings towards this whole whole thing. He was ready to go. And then once he saw his wife get hassled and mercifully, not mercifully, mercilessly bombarded by the media, the UK media, that just put the final nail in the coffin. All right, babes, let's go. Let's get out of here. I'm tired of being here. I'm not going to let them do what they did to my mother to you. I'm not letting that happen. We're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of England. And we're going. Harry, I commend Harry on that. Because Harry could have easily let his wife be tortured so much in that place. But Harry said, nah, let's go. I'm with you. I'm with you to go. I want you to leave this wretched place. And that's what they did. And now I'm leading me back to Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan got so upset Tuesday after Alex constantly trash, not trashing, but just beating Pierce Morgan over the head with hatred that he has hatred towards Meghan Markle because he once had a friendship with her. He never mentioned that she, that he Pierce Morgan liked her. He just mentioned that they had a friendship and that 
that friendship soured and now she doesn't talk to you and now you come on here every time her name is mentioned, you bash her so much. Pierce Morgan got up and left his own show. Let me say this again. Pierce Morgan got up out of his chair, walked off his set into somewhere. He walked off his own show. It's not a guest walking off your show. No, the host got up and walked off his own show. That's unprofessional at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. That's like if I had a guest right now with me and I'm conducting an interview with them and we get into some type of spat and I get up and you just hear them constantly talk and you guys just wonder, okay, where did Gerald go? Where did G2 go? G, did he leave? And then you hear my co-host or the guest that I have at the time talk and say, he left, ladies and gentlemen. Your guest, your host, left. He left me here on this show. That's what happened with Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan got up and left. He couldn't just sit there, let his co-host and guest talk on that show and just collect himself. He got up and left, and then he came back and he had to explain why he left because the tensions were getting so high on the stage. That's why he left. And then later that day, Good Morning Britain's parent company, ITV, released a statement, well, released a press release stating that Pierce Morgan and ITV have decided to part ways. Pierce Morgan quit. Good Morning Britain and ITV has accepted his resignation. Piers Morgan quit. He was a quitter because of his own demise. He got so riled up over something that doesn't affect him, and he quit his job. But let's not get it twisted. He's going to have a lot more jobs in the future because he's not going to be just on the shelf He's not. Pierce Morgan is not just going to be left on the shelf, just left out there to die. Somebody's going to hire Pierce Morgan within like the next two weeks. I bet my bottom dollar on that one. Somebody's going to hire Pierce Morgan because once Pierce Morgan is back on television, those ratings are going to spike for whoever gets him because everybody is going to want to hear what Pierce Morgan has to say now. And here's a little funny side note, too. Not funny, but here's a little fun fact. Once he left, the Monday episode of Good Morning Britain, after the Meghan Markle and Oprah interview happened, got 41,000 complaints, all based off of Pierce Morgan's pure hatred towards Meghan Markle. And they even say one of the complaints were from Meghan Markle herself. So I'm not sure about uh, Meghan Markle reporting it, but hey, I can believe it. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. I can believe Meghan Markle making a complaint of saying Pierce Morgan has no uh, style and has no professionalism towards this. But that just brings me back to the fact of this: Pierce Morgan still stands in what he says about Meghan Markle. As a matter of fact, you hear it from Yahoo.com, Yahoo Entertainment, to be specific. Pierce Morgan, on Wednesday, said that he doubles down. 
Piers Morgan double downs on what he said about Meghan Markle on their wedding. Oh, not on their wedding. On uh, He doubles down on what he says about Meghan Markle. And hold on, I'm trying to get the tweet right now. Here's the tweet he said. On Monday, I said I didn't believe Meghan Markle in her Oprah interview. I've had time to reflect on this opinion, and I still don't. If you did, okay. Freedom of speech is a hill I'm happy to die on. Thanks for all the love and hate. I'm off to spend more time with my opinions. And he put a photo of Winston Churchill in the caption of Winston Churchill. says, some people's ideas of free speech is that they are free to say what they like. But if anyone says anything back, that is an outrage. No. That's not the case at all. If anything, Pierce, you were outraged that a mug. You were outraged badly. You quit your own show, Cry Baby. Who gets outraged so bad that you quit your own show? That's your show. You, that guest isn't going to be there the next day. But you have the responsibility to be there the next day for your own show. You have the responsibility to sit there and let your guests actually speak. So, this Winston Churchill uh, quote, that that's not the case. That was you, bro. You were outraged. You were outraged by somebody saying something back to you, and you quit your own show. So that Winston Churchill quote doesn't apply to this. If anything, it backfires exactly what you're trying to say. But I digress. He quit. Tuesday, sent out this tweet on Wednesday, and on Wednesday, I don't watch the show, but it came to my attention, Sharon Osbourne on the talk for CBS, um, defending her friend, Pierce Morgan, and I'm about to play this clip for you that I want to talk about in, after you hear this clip. I will ask you again, Cheryl. Yes. I've been asking you during the break. Right. I'm asking you again. And don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. Yes. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me, tell me when you have heard him say racist things. It, educate me, tell me. It, it is not the exact words of racism. It's the implication and the reaction to it. To not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or to make it seem less than what it is, that's what makes it racist. But, but right now, I'm talking to a woman who I believe is my friend. And I don't want anybody here to, to l watch this and say that we're attacking you for being racist. And, oh. and, that, and, and for that, if I articulate it... I think it's anything, too late. I think that okay, seed's already sown. But that, that is why I'm saying <laughs> for me. I'm saying for me. For me. I thought I was asking a question about the perception for other people. That's why I prefaced it with, I've never heard you utter anything oh, racist, Cheryl, but, I have, but I have felt that Pierce was racist in his stance against Meghan Markle, and the last time he was on this show, I said as much. I said it when he was on this and show. And what was his answer to you? 
He's, he didn't feel that. He didn't feel that it was racist. He didn't feel that that the the racial statements that he was making were racist. But I was talking to him. Okay, answer me this mm -hmm. one, okay? Because I don't know. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't like someone, and I think this is for everybody who is of born white. If he doesn't, Piers doesn't like someone, and they happen to be black. Does that make him a racist? No. No. That's a no. No. Right. So why can't it be he just doesn't like her? Why does it have to be racist? The reason it seems racist, Sharon Osbourne, is because the way that he's dismissing a black woman's experience in the royal family. How can you tell her that she never had suicidal thoughts. How can you straight up just straight up just say that you don't believe her? That's like me walking up to all these Me Too women and Sarah say, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. That will make me seem like the most biggest a-hole in America to walk up to every Me Too woman to say, I don't believe you. We didn't do that. The media didn't do that. We take the side of, okay, this was exposed to the world. Now we have to take this under serious advisement, under serious investigation. We have to take this under the serious lens. That's why Pierce is coming off as an a-hole and as a racist because he is straight up just disparaging and doesn't believe, and straight up just cold-heartedly say, I don't believe it. I don't believe what she's saying. I don't believe she had racist thoughts. I don't, not racist thoughts, suicidal thoughts. I don't believe that somebody in the royal monarchy asked, uh, said anything wrong about, uh, what, what's the color of your baby's skin color? That is what makes Piers Morgan looks like a, looks and sound like a racist. And that's coming from a black man right now. And if anybody wants to debate me, go ahead and we can debate this all day. Well, matter of fact, we're not going to have a debate. We're going to have a civilized conversation. If we want to talk about this, but I'm letting you know why Piers Morgan sounds like a racist and Sharon Osbourne coming out of her mouth and telling Cheryl Underwood, don't you cry. If anybody should be crying, it should be me. Cheryl Underwood in this clip. And if you go to YouTube and you see the clip of it, Cheryl Underwood is keeping it at the most profound professionalism because anybody at that moment would have lost their mind and say, how dare you tell me not to cry? How, how dare you tell me not to cry? Sharon Osbourne was going to cry because people were attacking her bad, her friend, Piers Morgan, and questioning her on why is she defending Piers Morgan? She was going to cry. Sharon was going to cry off that. Cheryl Underwood was going to cry because she is trying to explain to you why your best, your friend is sounding like a racist and you're not understanding why it sounds this way and why it looks this way. That's why Cheryl is crying to you because she cares so much about you. And people, when people care a lot, they show their emotions and they show their way, they show their ways of caring in a lot of ways. Some people cry, certain people get angry and huff and puff because you are hard-headed and not understanding what they're telling you. Certain people shut down because you're not understanding what they're trying to explain to you. 
people got different emotions. And Cheryl is loving and tenderness towards Sharon throughout this whole segment right here is showing you that what type of person Cheryl Underwood is. She's loving and caring. She talked to her slow. She talked to her real loving. She talked to her real caring. She didn't raise her voice at Sharon and say, why don't you understand it, you stupid idiot or you stupid racist? She didn't under she didn't hawk those words at her. She just constantly talked to her so slow and so nice and so in the way that she was flowing, the words were flowing out of her mouth. It just sounded so peacefully in a person that's from coming from a sincere place and trying to inform you of how this is happening. And Sharon couldn't understand it because she was feeling, she was in her feelings. She was that little child that got told no and the parents trying to tell them, hey, yo, this is the reason why. No, I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it because you think this and that or such and such. We've all had that. We've all seen those kids. Those kids that don't want to hear the reason of why you got shut down or told no. And those reasons that you got shut down and turned no, turned down no, were actual good reasons why. Cheryl Underwood did her best. And if it was anybody else, after that first comment of telling me, don't cry, I guarantee you it would have been a completely different conversation. That woman would have got all up in Sharon's face and started yelling at her. And that whole conversation would have turned to, oh my God, why did she get so upset by this? This and that. The angry black woman this. She is so violent. She wants to go to violence. Why do they always want to go to violence? Cheryl Underwood did not play into that. She veered off from the stigma that people give to black people and more than less black women whenever they're angry. Why are black women so angry? Why are black women so uh, cranky or so such and such? Every negative thing towards a black woman in the workplace and in the world. Cheryl did the absolute opposite. She was caring, and she was trying to teach Sharon. And here's another thing. Sharon just kept on saying, teach me, teach me. I want to learn. No, you don't. Right now, at that moment, you weren't trying to learn. You weren't trying to, you weren't at all. Whenever somebody's yelling, saying, teach me, I'm trying to teach. You are in your emotions. You're not at a level head. You are just stuck in that one spot. You're stuck in the sunken place. Well, not really the sunken place. If you saw Get Out, you know what the sunken place is. But she's stuck in her own head of emotions. Matter of fact, this was get this was um Inside Out, I believe the Disney movie with the five emotions: anger, peacefulness, uh, sadness, uh, anger, peaceful, sadness, uh, scared, and disgust. There we go. And right now, anger was fighting straight up with uh, compassion, the happiness right on the top. But anger was taking more of the control in that headspace of Sharon Osbourne when she was yelling, teach me, teach. No, we can't teach you until you calm yourself down and then you can grasp what we're telling you nicely. And we can, and you can actually understand this. And nobody in that clip was saying that Sharon was racist, by the way. Nobody was saying that at all. People were just saying how Pierce Morgan is coming off as racist. 
in that instance. And let me answer Sharon Osbourne's question. If you don't like somebody, if a white person doesn't like somebody of color, can they just straight up just not like them? Answer to that is yes. But there's a caveat. You have to explain why you don't like that person. As Pierce Morgan said, I liked Meghan Markle, but since she ghosted me, I don't like her. That's perfectly understandable if he were to say that, but he never said that. He never said that in any of his barrages of attacks that he gave to Meghan Markle. He never said that at all. He just made a, she just told a quick story on a, years ago on a Late Late Show in Britain and about how he got ghosted by Meghan Markle. And after that, even in that story, he said, well, after that experience, I think this Meghan Markle is just a social climber. No, dude, she just wasn't into you. And it's all right. It's okay. But Megan, but Pierce didn't do that. Pierce didn't explain why he doesn't like Meghan Markle off that basis. He tried to use, well, she's a social climber or uh, she's trying to hurt the monarchy. No, you have your own personal personal feelings for this person for a personal event that that person did to you this was personal to pierce everything Meghan markle does is personal to pierce morgan so can you not like somebody yes but you have to give a reason why you don't like somebody you have to because if you don't give a reason why you don't like somebody and white people this is just what it is we're going to look at you like okay does you do you not like somebody because of their skin color you guys, off your ancestors, have to deal with that on a daily-to-day -day basis if you don't like somebody that's not your skin complexion and you don't have a reason why you don't like them. That's y'all burden that y'all have to carry that your ancestors did. You thank them for that. Thank them for always having to be questioned. Okay, are you racist? Thank them for that exact question. Thank them for that. If you are a person of color and you don't like a white person, we tell you why we don't like that white person. We can tell you exactly the reason why. If a Hispanic person doesn't like a black person, they have to tell you a reason why. If you don't like somebody, you have to explain why. This doesn't matter what race, what ethnicity, what religion you are. It doesn't matter. If you don't like somebody, you got to come up with a reason. Not even got to come up with a reason why, but you got to explain why. Coming up with a reason is a completely trash uh, terminology. You got to explain why you don't like this person or don't have favorable opinions about this person. And that's what Pierce Morgan failed to do. He failed to do that. Pierce Morgan failed. He talked too much and he got... he. Burnt himself, he killed himself, he gave himself, he gave his own self a public execution right there on television. Pierce, you failed, bro. That's all I can say about that. And if you guys got any type of um, stance on this, reach me on at my social medias and tweet me these, tweet me your uh, opinions. Tweet me what you think about Pierce Morgan uh, quitting Good morning, Britain, and his feelings toward Megan. Or tweet me out, tweet me, 
and tell me how you guys feel about uh, Megan, not Megan, but Sharon Osborne saying she wanted to learn, but the way that she came about it. Just tweet me your opinion about the whole royal situation. Do you care? Do you not care? I mean, there's been sides on both of people saying they don't really care about this royal uh, mess, that we shouldn't give the royal too, too much attention. There's people that care completely too much about this, that this consumes their whole life. Me, I'm in the middle. I'm like, okay, this is a time and a place to mention them, but the rest of society and the rest of my day, the royals don't affect me. But this is a big news story because you get somebody in the family doing an interview about them stepping out of the family and them on their own. This is exactly what's that. And you can reach me on my social media for that at on Twitter at my two cents uh podcast. But that's but if you search it up, it's my two cents podcast, all one word. But if you're looking at me on the at is at my two then the actual number two, don't write TWO, put the actual number two podcast, all one word. So I'll say it again. On Twitter is at my two podcast. But if you want to do the search bar is my two cents podcast for Twitter for that opinion, for you to drop down your opinion for the Meghan Markle and the Royal situation. Now, let me get to Papa John for a minute. Here's a article about Papa John from Chicago's very own WGN nine. It says Papa John's former CEO says he has been working to get rid of the N word in my vocabulary for 20 months. You heard that right. 20 months. That is one year and eight months. Almost two years it took him to take the N-word out of his vocabulary. How do okay? I'm trying to understand this. How does it take you almost two years to get the N-word out of your vocabulary? I'm a black man. I wouldn't know that because I can freely use the N-word all day. Because my people have paid that price. And we take that word of hatred and flip that into a term of endearment towards one another. Certain black people don't like using it. But certain black people do. But... The main rule is now we now flipped it into using it for ourselves. And when we talk about one another, we talk about it with a term of endearment. We can use it to replace a different word. That's what that word is for us. It's just a straight up, just a substitutional word. But I digress. It took Papa John guy 20 months to get that out of his vocabulary. And it says, we've had Three goals for the last 20 months, uh, Papa John uh, said in an interview, to get rid of this N-word in my vocabulary and dictionary and everything else because it's just not true. Figure out how they did this and get on with my life. Papa John later told TMZ that what he meant to say was that he spent 20 months trying to stop the media from linking him to the N-word. And it reads on, according to Forbes magazine, Papa John used the N-word during a media training exercise when asked how he would distance himself from racist groups. He reportedly complained that, yeah, complained that Colonel Sanders never faced backlash for using the same word. How are you going to use Colonel Sanders in this? First and foremost, you just threw Colonel Sanders directly under the bus. He threw Colonel Sanders under the 
bus. I mean, just threw him under. You got in the bus and just got got in the seat and just drove right over him. And then you saw him in the back. And then you felt that you didn't run him over enough. Let's go back. Let's let's rerun over him again. What did Colonel Sanders have to do with that at all? That's like the kid that got in trouble for something, and then he mentions that his other brother, well, Timmy stole a cookie. How are you going to just throw Timmy in this? Timmy had nothing to do with this. This focus is on you right now. But let me get back to my point here. It took him 20 months to get that out of his vocabulary, or in his words, to get him the me to get the media to stop linking him to that. My G, you're on Google, bro. Everybody will ever forever. Well, at least until something more salacious comes out from another big-time restaurant or big-time fast food joint comes out with the N-word. But you're on that list with Paula Dean and you for people in food using the N-word now. You're on that list. But how does it take you 20 months? Do you not know? That is... That's... We haven't even hit 20 months of being in the pandemic yet. Think about that. That's like starting of last year with a march for the pandemic to now. That's not even 20 months yet. And he was trying to get rid of the N-word. By God. Well, or in his terms, air quotes, the media linking it from him. But that is wild. He couldn't listen to no rap songs. He couldn't listen to rap at all. He couldn't listen to no R&B. He couldn't listen to no type of thing. You had to stick to none but specifically country, didn't you? Or pop. But I don't see Papa John listen to pop. I see him more as a country guy. But I digress. White listenership. I got a question for you guys. Because this is going to tie into tie into my next topic. Um... How do you guys use the... Okay, when you guys use the N-word, right? Because I know you guys do. And if you don't, congratulations to you. But when you do, why do you use the ER? And I mean the ER version, not the A. First of all, you shouldn't say it at all. But if you're going to say it in a rap song, because you guys are listening to rap inside your own home, around your own self, those are my, those are my big parentheses here. And you're by yourself in your own room, listening to a rap song, and you happen to say the word. You say the word because you're listening to rap, you listen to R&B, you listen to some type of music of black genre, because we use it in our music so heavily. I mean, so much. Without question. But my thing is, how do you guys then flip that in say the ER after you know the ER will get you punched in your face it'll get you socked out how do you still let that ER just flow right out your mouth because I'm tying this back to a thing that happened I'm not sure what uh Friday a high school, and this comes from TMZ Sports, but TMZ.com, it reads from a headline. High school basketball announcer blames N-word comments on diabetes. I am so sorry. And what this is what this is reading at is that a, it goes on in an article. This is disgusting. A high school basketball announcer in Oklahoma, 
yeah, in Oklahoma, call players effing inwards, E-R-S at the end, for kneeling during the National Anthem before a game this week, and it was all caught on a hot mic. It all went down before the Norman High School girls hoops teamed faced off against the Midwest City during the Oklahoma 6A State Basketball Tournament Thursday night. Every player from Norman elected to kneel for the duration of the anthem, which led to the announcer's outburst on the National Federation of State High School Association Network's official live stream. Here's what we heard in the clip. And this is what was said. They gave you a transcript of what was said in that uh, clip. They're kneeling. Effing ends. I hope Norman get their butt kicked. But he said a butt. He said the A word. F them. I hope they lose. They're going to kneel like that. The clip has since made rounds on social media with NFL stars like Kenny Stills, who also kneels for the anthem, and Gerald McCoy speaking out against the blatant racism. Stills tweeted out, America, but with KKKA. Stills tweeted Friday morning, while McCoy added, see why we do it. They think, they still think it's about the flag. Ladies and gentlemen, kneeling about the flag, my God, you guys got to get over that. You guys got to get over people kneeling over the stuff. You guys know what it's about. It was never about the flag. It was always about police brutality to black individuals in America. Get over it. Stop that. It's about patriotism. It's about this and that. My family died. My G, I guarantee you, people that are kneeling have people in their family go into the military and serve their time in the military. Kneeling during the anthem is never about disrespecting the people overseas protecting one's that are in America. It was never about that. It's always about police brutality towards black individuals. And for the commentator to still utter the N-word is disgusting. And he, and this is now an update from TMZ. It says 3.51 p.m., but on their uh, time, California time. The man who made the racist comments is apologizing for his words and chalking the whole thing up to a diabetic episode. We spoke with 44-year-old Mark oh no, not Mark, Matt Rowan, who admits it's his voice making the insanely offensive comments about the girls' basketball team while they were kneeling for the national anthem. I will state that I suffered type 1 diabetes and during the game my sugar was spiking, Rowan said in a statement. While not excusing my remarks, it is not unusual when my sugar spikes that I become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful. Rowan adds, I do not believe that I would have made such horrible statements absent my sugar spiking. How do you... How are you blaming that on your di diabetes? That's like me killing one of my professors and saying... Oh man, I'm so sorry, bro. My my stomach, my stomach was hurting me so bad and I that I just killed my professors. I'm so sorry. Th that's that's the equivalent of that. How are you gonna blame saying the N-word, the E R? It doesn't matter if you would have said the A, just saying the N-word, but I'm in, but I'm just just putting it out there. The E R will get you in much more trouble 
if you use that instead of the A, but you shouldn't use it at all. But I'm letting you know as a man and as a black man, the ER is going to get you socked in the face. If you say the A word, we're going to look at you sideways. You might still get socked, but we heard the A instead of the ER. I'm just going to let you know that right now. Piece of advice for you right there. Don't say it, but if you do say it, you're going to face some consequences. Getting back to my, getting back to my situation here. How are you going to blame that on your diabetes? How do you do that? How are you with conscience saying, "Hey, yo, my 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 diet, my my sugar. I'm so sorry. If if I didn't have diabetes, this I wouldn't have said those type of words." No, dog. You meant those. You meant that. You meant that. There's no if, ands, or but. You meant that. And getting back to my question, white listeners, how do you guys still use the ER word after knowing? what the history is behind it, how you guys will get hit in your face for it, how do you guys still chalk up? I'm not even going to say the courage, because that's not courage to say that. The stupidity to still say that word. I would like to know, but hey, whatever. But that's for that topic right there. Now let me get to George Floyd, my man. George Floyd, man, this is tragic. Um... Minneapolis, and this is coming from CNN.com, Minneapolis will pay George Floyd's estate $27 million after the city council votes to settle lawsuit with family. First and foremost, I want to say thank God to the city council to giving uh, George Floyd's uh, estate $27 million, but I guarantee they will trade every cent of that money to have him back. And people might say, that's an overused sentiment. I would trade everything to have this person back. <laughs> Losing a life will never, ever, money will never, ever cope or give that family rest because that their loved one died because of something so stupid. That will never, money will never fix that. And I'm here to tell you that right now. Money will never fix losing someone. How how can this guy still be alive right now? Surprise somebody in the prison hasn't even got to him. But he must be heavily guarded. But nevertheless, um, this is another article from CNN.com. The jurors have been, uh, this is, um, the title is, What We Know About the Jurors Selected So Far in the Derek Shervin's Trial, a.k.a. George Floyd Murder. There has been, right now, there has been six, oh no, no, seven, I'm sorry. There have been seven jurors selected. The first juror is a white man in his 20s or 30s who works as a chemist and said he was in uh, analytic mind, analytical mind. He said he has an analytical mind, sorry. The second juror was a woman of color who appears to be in her 20s or 30s according to a poll, no, not poll, God, poll reporter's observations in court. She says she was super excited about getting the jury questionnaire form. The third juror selected was a white man in his 30s who works as an auditor. The fourth was a jury, fourth, fourth, man, fourth person was a white man in his late 30s or 40s who said he had a very favorable, favorable view of Black Lives Matter. He also said he believed police are more 
Trustful than other witnesses, the juror is planning to get married on May 1st and told the court that if he was selected for the trial, it could delay the wedding. Um, the fifth juror selected was a black man in his 30s or 40s who moved to the United States 14 years ago and works in information technology. He said that he had a somewhat negative opinion of Chauvin, that he strongly disagreed with defunding the police and that police make him feel safe. Sixth juror was a Hispanic man in his 20s or 30s, according to the pool reporter's observation. The man who works as a truck driver says Shoma gave me the impression of showing off his authority in the video of Floyd's death, and he also said none of this would have happened if Floyd had complied with the police. Seventh juror is a white female in her 50s, according to the court. She said she has a somewhat negative impression of Chauvin and believes that Believes there are bias against African Americans, but not everyone in the system is bad. She said she felt empathy for Floyd as well as the officers because at the end of the day, I'm sure that the intention was not there for this to happen. So let me do the count up for you. That is right now. That is one white man, one person of color, one white man. So right now, two white men, one female of color. Three white men, one female of color. Three white men, two people of color, one black man and one person of color. Three and three, three white men, one person of color. That's a female. They don't give her up for ethnicity. A black man and an Hispanic man. And then you got the seventh juror was right now a white woman. So right now it's four whites and three people of color. And for a trial you need to have 12 jurors but two on backup just in case to switch out somebody so 14 people all together to do this and the case will start on march 29th i'm conflicted right now i think this case is going to be real hard for them to get like impartial like real real impartial jurors to get this because I don't know how you didn't hear about the George Floyd situation last year of 2020 in the summer. I don't know how you didn't hear about it. I never saw the video of it, but I know how long it took for him to George Floyd to, for man's to put his knee on George Floyd's neck. It was eight minutes and 46 seconds. That is a long time for him to try to gasp for air and then die in right at the spot and he still have his knee on his neck as he's dead, they're dead, right already, still there. You feel him, you feel him, and you still had your neck on, knee on his neck. I don't know how this man is not guilty off that right there on the video right there. I don't see it. Somebody please explain that to me. I'm really, now this, I am trying to understand. I'm not in law. I would love to understand how we still have a trial for something like this that is caught directly on camera. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's directly on camera. You see that he killed him right there. It's it's right there in your face. I don't know what more to tell you. Chauvin is... <laughs> if he doesn't... If he's not guilty... I'm letting you guys know this right now. You're hearing it from me right now. Gerald Garrett, G2. There's going to be problems. You guys thought the summer was bad with this whole quote-unquote rioting that did happen in which it really wasn't a riot, if we're really going to be honest. 
certain buildings got destroyed, but it wasn't by legit Black Lives Matter people. It was by people that just wanted to cause some chaos and then add the name Black Lives Matter to it because Black Lives Matter was making a march down somewhere and it just so happened that chaos erupted. Just saying. It wasn't like the Capitol riot that happened there where mad people just rushed into a one single building. Let's not get it twisted because people want to try to compare those two. No, this is apple and oranges, two completely different things. Two completely different things. One was about justice. One was about somebody's candidate not winning. There's so many things I will say, I could say, but if somebody wants to talk to me about it, that is cool about that too. You have my Twitter for that. My final thing I would like to talk about, and it's going to be short because I have just a couple things to say about it. The weekend is boycotting the Grammys. Now, the Grammys is the biggest award that any musician can ever get and receive. It's basically their Oscars. Like, the Oscars are for the biggest the biggest award that uh, pe- people in acting can get. And the, gr- and the weekend was boycotting it. <laughs> and this is coming from this article right here. Musicians call out Grammys as the weekend boycotts uh, awards ceremony. This is coming from NBC.com. And in the article, The Weekend, it has it right here. Hold, wait a minute. And right, hold, 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 right here. And a statement to the New York Times on Thursday, The Weekend said he would no longer allow my label to submit my music to the Grammys. When he was asked why he was boycotting the Grammys, he told the newspaper that it was because of the secret committees. The secret, yeah, secret committees. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Da, 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 da. Let me explain this to you all right now. When that type of big ceremony is already been said and done that there's a secret society back there that you, the record label makes deals with certain people back there for your their artists to win. I learned this off the Joe Budden podcast. I've been listening to him for about a good mm, four years now. And he lays down information about the music industry and just life in general, but I learned more about contracts of musical contracts and backstage, backdoor uh, dealing with music. And I can apply that in anywhere in life. So if I happen to get in some type of uh, legal binding or something, I can pull something or remember something off of what Joe Budden has said when he has witnessed. But anyway, getting back to my point here. And one of his earlier, earlier podcast episodes, way years ago, he talked about the Grammys because a person that, no, 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 it was Kendrick Lamar lost to Mac Miller, not Mac Miller, uh, Mac Lamar. And everybody said Kendrick Lamar got robbed. Even Mac Lamar got up there on the Grammy stage and said that, that I shouldn't have gotten this award. Kendrick Lamar obviously won it. And... No, 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 no. He didn't say that on there. He tweeted it out. Sorry. He tweeted it out. Anyway, to my point is, 
everybody was saying that Kendrick got robbed off of that award. Years later, Kendrick Lamar ends up winning the award. People in that industry, people in the entertainment industry, when they go for the awards, you always wonder, how did somebody get nominated whenever a movie that was a movie or an album that was so out there or a single for an artist that was played so much didn't get nominated for that for that uh, title? The famous one I could think about, I believe, was what was it last year? Oscars Parasite won, I believe, the best uh, picture, like their biggest award, best picture for the Grammys, not Grammys, but for the Oscars. And I was trying to figure out, I've never heard of Parasite. You mean to tell me that in the year of 2020, you didn't give that to the Avengers Endgame? You didn't give that to them, especially with how much money the Avengers was able to create in how much money they brought into their movie. I believe that those type of things, I believe that award shows should go by people buying it, how did the media uh, take, like, receive it, how, and that's about it. How, how, much, how much money did it bring in, and how did the people... Uh, enjoy it. Did people enjoy it? Did they not enjoy it? And that's what the whole award season should be about. It should be about fan interaction. Grammys, Oscars, uh, all these awards should be about fan interaction. The fans should come out and tweet out who won this. But for for all these little things, but for when it comes to the big things, people of the board of the Grammys and the Oscars, those type of big awards. And I'm only listing those two because those are the two big things that you hear about every year whenever it's time, the biggest upsets of the year when it comes down to entertainment or the Grammys and Oscars. That's the reason why I'm naming those two. That should be about who brought in the most money and what did the media say about it. But that's not the case when it comes down to the Oscars and Grammys. Oscars and Grammys have a little backstage society of people that will make dealings with other record companies or the movie executives that have produced the movie or something of that nature. And you'll hear about an album winning that I've never heard of or a movie winning that I've never heard of. And now you're going to bring people over to that album or bring people over to that movie to see how good that movie was. That happens every year. I never knew what Parasite was. And then I hear that it won the best picture of the year. And then next thing you know, Parasite is up there on in being like advertised. And people are now trying to see it in theaters and people trying to now see it on demand. And it, it, blows up on Twitter and people all try to figure out what is Parasite? What is this? What is that? Moonlight. I never knew what Moonlight was. And Moonlight ends up winning. And people are now trying to run off to see what Moonlight is. That was a couple years ago. Even after the big flub up with Moonlight. That also added along to the big thing with it. Because at that time Moonlight did win the big picture uh, award. But 
somebody was somebody said the wrong uh movie and end up they had to bring it back and say oh wait a minute we're so sorry moonlight moonlight won and now they had to escort the people that won the people that thought they won that for their film off the stage and have the people that from moonlight come up there to accept the grant for another grant but oscars god something is up backstage and the weekend is pissed because everybody was saying it was his year to this thing was his album was big he did the super bowl he transformed himself he was able to create a character his album was just great he did a whole thing for this and for him to get snubbed he feels so upset i feel that with the weekend fumbled the bag so hard by saying he's boycotting he just should have sent out a simple tweet here's how i would have did it since now i'm in like uh uh i'm in a class and for my for CCU, and I'm sorry I'm butchering the name of the class, but trust me, I'm in a uh, class that will tell you how you should handle a crisis. It's crisis, uh, communication, crisis management. is managing crisis in the communication. Sorry, I'm butchering it, but by God, you know exactly what I mean. What I would do is I would, if I was the weekend, I would have tweeted out, first and foremost, I thought I got snubbed. Sheriff say, I got snubbed. I'll see you guys next year. Put all your energy and everything else and let your fans, after you send that tweet, let your fans and everybody else just run off with it, right? I would take all my energy and I would start making another album because now, whenever, since now, you have everybody's attention and now you're going to put all your energy and all your hatred and everything else into that album. Just do that album and I guarantee you the next year you'll be nominated and I guarantee you the next year because the Grammys have a thing with this that whenever somebody that should have won didn't win, they're going to bring them back next year and they're going to have that person either win or perform. Either way, here's what I would have done though. Do that. If I'm nominated, I go up, I'm going to be nominated, I'm going to be there, cool. But if I'm not nominated and they just want me to uh, be up there and perform, all right, cool. I'll do, I'll say, all right, I'm, I'm going to do that. Cool. Go there, do the performance. Okay, here's my scenario. If you are, if you're going to be nominated, if they say you're nominated and they want you to perform, do both. You do your performance and just wait. And then now you have a feeling that you're going to win. But underneath, well, if they pull you up to win, you go up there and the first thing you do is you take off your tuxedo sh uh, suit jacket or you unzip your jacket and just reveal a shirt that says, I got robbed by you last year. And just say right on the mic, this shirt's towards the Oscars. Not Oscars, but the Grammys. You know what you did. And just walk off with the Grammy. That will send Twitter ablaze. But if you're just there to perform, as soon as you're up there performing, take off your jacket, and now you have the shirt that just straight up reads, I got robbed by you last year. And just continuously perform. People are going to be, that's going to be the hot topic of the next day and of the night for Twitter. Because everybody's going to be like, yeah, he did get robbed. Everybody's going to remember that he got robbed. And he got robbed again this year if they don't nominate him for that for your album that you crafted a year worth of time to make. But The weekend didn't do that. He got snubbed and he said, oh, I'm boycotting it. I wouldn't have done that. That's not my flow. 
because as soon as he gets nominated again, because he will get nominated, because somebody in his company will throw his music out there to these awards. That's going to continuously happen. Music companies are trying to get their money back. They're trying to invest in you. They're trying to make more money off of you. So they're not not going. They're not going to have you make an album, and they're not going to try to submit it towards some type of big award show type of business. They're not going to do that. That's not what they're for. They're there to make sure they get their money back. They're sure they're there to make sure they get more money off of you. That's all a big company like that. Yeah, they let you do certain things if you're of a big star caliber. But let's not get it twisted. It's still business at the end of the day. They want to make their money off of you, and they're going to make more, they want to make more money from you. That's what's going to happen with Weekend. So expect this boycott mess not to last long. It'll probably last a year or two, but after that, you'll see Weekend again at the Oscars. Not Oscars, but the Grammys. You'll see them again. That's my two cents on that one. And now that I'm done with that, let me get into some wrestling news for this week. The highlights of this wrestling week. Um, NXT got, in NXT, the women got uh, tag team titles. So now NXT has women tag team titles. The first tag team champions were Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. But later that night, they had to go against Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. And Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart beat Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And now we have a new <laughs> set of tag team champions in NXT. But these are now the second ever tag team champions. Uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. And now that leads to Raquel Gonzalez going against Io Shirai. That is the women's NXT champion on NXT sometime down the line. That's what it's leading to. And in the main event of NXT, you had Adam Cole going against Finn Balor. Great match. But um, Kyle O'Reilly distracted Adam Cole. And Adam Cole got beat off the distraction. And after the match, Kyle O'Reilly beat up his former best friend, Adam Cole, because Adam Cole betrayed Kyle O'Reilly after he super kicked Kyle O'Reilly in the face and he threw him out of uh, the Undisputed Era. So now Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are fighting and they're fighting up the stage and the camera turns back and now Finn Balor is watching this and he has a championship on his shoulder and he feels an aura of somebody around him and he just says it and the camera's still panning on Finn Balor and he says, what took you so long? And then you, the camera pans over, you see Karrion Cross. He's the guy that won the NXT title from Keith Lee um, last summer and on his first, not even on his first defense, after, as soon in that match with Keith Lee, he popped out his shoulder. His shoulder popped out of socket. So he had to relinquish the title the next episode of NXT. So now Karrion Cross is back to regain and take back his NXT title. And next week, we'll see Jordan Devlin, who was the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, coming over from Ireland to the United States in NXT to face off against the current NXT Champion, uh, Santos Escobar. And let me give you a little backstory on this. Jordan Devlin, he was the NXT Cruiserweight Champion. This before the pandemic hit, and everybody had to 
go back to their homeland, homeland if you were uh, an Irishman and you're working on a green card, you had to go back to Ireland if you were a guy, if you were somebody that were, if you weren't American and you were working off a green card, you had to go back to wherever you came from. Jordan Devlin was Ireland, so Irish, so you had to go back to Ireland. So NXT had to go find a new Cruiserweight champion. They had a whole tournament last summer. Santos Escobar ends up winning the tournament and he becomes Cruiserweight champion. While WWE had to set up NXT UK back up because they had to shut down for a minute. So while they were getting back up and had to uh, run shows, Jordan Devlin came out with the Cruiserweight title, say, I'm the real Cruiserweight champion. They got a fake champion over there in America. So now this will lead it now to Jordan Devlin coming over to America. And now we're going to finally get uh, undisputed Cruiserweight champion. Will it be Santos Escobar or Jordan Devlin? That's the match that's coming up for uh, leading down the line for NXT. On AEW on TNT, the big reveal of the Inner Circle uh, War Summit, MJF had the biggest swerve, and swerve is a plan that people didn't see coming. He, his original plan was to take over the Inner Circle, kick Chris Jericho out of the uh, group, and him being the new top dog. But Sammy Guevara, a guy that was in the inner circle, but he quit the inner circle because MJF was in it and he didn't like MJF and he told Chris Jericho about it so many times. He quit it, but he came back and he showed Jericho proof how MJF was a snake. He showed Jericho the proof of uh, MJF meeting with Santana and Ortiz and Jake Hager backstage and talking about how tonight we got to cut the head off the snake, kick Chris Jericho out of the inner circle. He showed him that video camera footage on the Titantron. That's the big screen. That's vocabulary word for you guys of the day. Titantron, the big screen, the big television at a wrestling show. He showed him that, and then he went, and MJF grabbed the mic, and he said, okay, well, it looks like the plan has been, looks like you now know the plan. All right, boys, get him. He tells Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz, that's the tag name, tag team name, Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz, and Jake Hager to go get Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. They walk towards the Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, but then they turn around, and now they're looking at MJF. And Jericho grabs the mic and says, you stupid idiot, you think that we don't talk every day? We knew, Jericho knew what MJF was planning. So MJF is now in the corner, cowering like a child, and he now knows he's about to get his butt kicked. He was quivering so much. And he's pleading and begging Jericho, don't do it. Don't do it. And Jericho's telling him, what did you think? I, this is the inner circle. We talk every day. You thought that we weren't. You thought that I didn't know what you were planning up, this and that. And MGF tells him, I swear to God, man, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take over your inner circle. I didn't want to do it. And then he swifts. He changes character from a scared child to a menacing looking man so stoic and said why would I want to take over the inner circle when I was building my own the light go out the lights go out give it a minute lights come back on behind Jericho Santana and Ortiz Sam Guevara and Jake Hager or FTR which is Dax Hardwood Cash Wheeler 
Wardlow, Sean Spears, and Tully Blanchard. They all have weapons in their hands. And now the fans are out there. They see exactly what's about to happen. They're waiting, they're waiting, and then Inner Circle tries to jump uh, FTR, Sean Spears, Warlow, and Tully Blanchard, but they couldn't. They they were too. They were they weren't too fast. Those guys popped Inner Circle quick and beat down the Inner Circle. They start beating them down mercilessly. And MJF is on the top rope, sitting there just watching as all of this happening as like a mobster gangster would do. And he just sits there and watches it so stoic and just looks it down like I am top dog. Ending say the end of this is they beat down all of them. Chris Jericho gets hit in the face by MGF's dynamite ring. Is a ring that just basically says AEW on it, diamonds around it. A uh, MGF hits Jericho in the face with it. Jericho is bleeding. They throw Jericho out of the ring. They walk up the stage. And on the opposite side of the stage is tables already set up. So, so Warlow puts Chris Jericho in a powerbomb position. And he powerbombs Chris Jericho off the stage through two tables. And the final image that you see on AEW Dynamite is MJF with... FTR, Sean Spears, Wardlow, and Tully Blanchard creating a whole big group to now is going to lead to that group going against the inner circle for some time. It's going to lead to that and it's going to lead to a big blow-off match down the future. Uh, I don't know what else what happens on wrestling this week. I believe that's like the big, like the two biggest thing to happen. Like, AEW and NXT are like usually the biggest highlights for wrestling throughout the week. Raw is a three-hour show, but nothing really bare like barely happens on Raw. The only highlights that usually happen are like the WWE Championship, and right now the champion is Bobby Lashley, and nothing like big happened this week. Uh, on SmackDown, um, they hyping up a match of Edge going against Jey Uso. This would be Edge's. Uh, first match in ooh, 11 years. Yeah, he said 11 years. 11 years back on SmackDown. So, yeah, this will be the first time in that many. Yeah, 11 years that he'll be wrestling again on uh, SmackDown. So, that's like the next big thing. And the winner of that will be the Enforcer for the Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan match at Fastlane that happens next Sunday on their pay-per-view, and which will be streaming on Peacock and WWE Network. But for Peacock, you got to pay five bucks for their uh, pre- for their premium package. But I know that package, I don't think it's like their highest tier, but I believe like their tier before their highest tier. And that includes uh, the WWE Network, which will be transferring all its data from the WWE Network system over to Peacock, because WWE did a deal with Peacock uh, early this year. But, um, yeah, that's all for this episode. Thank you for hanging around with me, if you hung around all this time. But if you just fast forward after the Meghan Markle and everything else to just hear this, hey, I still appreciate it. Um, Here's my social media where you can find me on Twitter. I am at my two podcasts, but 
that is the if you look for me on the at is at my two podcasts. If you search me up, is my two cents podcast all together on Instagram? It's my two cents podcast G two. I'll say it again. My the number two. Don't write it out. Actually, put the number two cents with Ness podcast G two. And if you want to try to get me with a sponsorship or ad, I have a business uh, email. It's my two cents pod. I'll say it again. My two, the actual number two, not the number two. Put that, yeah, the actual number two. Don't write TWO. Put the number two cents pod, P O D, at yahoo.com. I'm trying to get some sponsorships. I'm trying to get some ads. That'll be great before this uh, year runs out. I'm trying to make money off this podcast. But hey, man, if I don't, no, nah, I'm not going to put that out for, out in the universe saying if I don't know, I'm going to make money off this podcast before the year 2021 is uh, done with. And I'm enjoying every step that I can get. But that is it for today. Um, This isn't goodbye. This is until next time you hear this voice again. I want to say thank you to everybody that has listened to this episode. Uh, Next week's episode, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm going, I have no idea yet. Not at all. But uh, next week, I will be back. And I do drop episodes every Sunday. Every Sunday, I drop new episodes of this podcast every Sunday. So that's where you'll be able to see and get this podcast every Sunday. And this podcast is available on Podbean and on Apple I, uh, Apple Podcasts. I'll say it again, on Podbean and on Apple Podcasts. You can get this podcast. You can listen to it. But yet again, I... Um, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear this voice again. I love you guys. We are all trying to make it. We're all just trying to get through this dark time right now, get to the light, and we are slowly, no, no, not even slowly. We are fastly approaching that light. We're slow. We're fastly coming back. We're fastly getting to normalcy again. We're going to get there, and once we get there, I guarantee you we're going to get back to what we were usually doing before, and we're all going to enjoy life a lot much more because we won't be taking a lot of things for granted as we once did before this pandemic but anyway i love you guys this isn't goodbye this until you see this until you hear this voice again thank you um i love you guys and i'm out peace i'm tired you tired jesus wept